Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's Manufacturing Week in Hancock County. Raise the Bar is putting local manufacturers together with area middle school students to get them thinking about career opportunities early. Plus, this week's local observance of Peace Officer Memorial Day is especially poignant for everyone involved. We'll get details. In our community and business spotlight this morning, Hancock County Veterans Services is launching a program this week to salute and support the hidden heroes. And we'll meet Hancock County's new 4-H extension educator. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, May 9th, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Hooray for Buttons Day. (laughs) That's so random. Hooray for Buttons Day. It is also, and this is very serious stuff, National Lost Sock Memorial Day. (laughs) Tear the tags off the mattresses day. Throw caution to the wind and tear the tags off the mattresses. Today, National Butterscotch Brownie Day and National Moscato Day today so if you need a reason to celebrate you got plenty to pick from right there find something uh that works for you so uh, on friday this is kind of interesting on friday the uh, social security administration released its annual list of the most popular baby names in the u.s and uh i always look forward to this list because it is uh very objective it is not subjective uh at all it's not like they uh survey uh parents to find out the most popular baby names. They actually look at the hard data. This is uh, based on the data that the Social Security Administration collects each year when parents apply for their child's Social Security card. So this is hard data um, that is pretty reliable. They've uh, actually been compiling their list of the most popular baby names each year, dating back to 1997, and they have tracked names... Uh, gone back and and uh, analyzed the data all the way back to 1880. Now, that's well before Social Security, obviously, but uh, they have done the research and traced uh, names all the way back to the mid or late 19th century. And uh, each year, of course, it's really interesting, the cultural trends as names rise and fall in popularity. Whatever's hot in pop culture often influences the list of most popular baby names. For a while, some really bizarre names from like Game of Thrones were really hot. Um, and the num- the names, they, they published a list of the most popular names overall, and then the fastest growing list. For example, the fastest rise in popularity uh, for boys, Amiri uh Ilium, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Coulter, Ozzy, and Loyal are up-and-coming boys' names. Not in the top ten yet, but they're the biggest. Uh, they showed the biggest increase in popularity in uh, in 2021. For girls, uh, the new hot names are Rhea, Renly, Angelique, Vida, and Emberlyn. Uh the ones that have decreased the most in popularity uh, in 2021, Denise, um, Denise with one S and with two S's. Do you do you pronounce it the same, Denise? 
or Denise did it anyway. Karen uh, dropped in precipitously in popularity uh, because Karen, when it was become sort of a derisive name for you know entitled people, they call them a Karen. So people not naming their kids Karen. Um, Kylie and Natalie all experienced the steepest drop-offs in popularity among girls for boys. The names that fell furthest down the list, Jackson, Carson, Xavier, Willie, and Tristan. So, uh, the most popular names, the top 10, um, are actually rather familiar. Uh, Liam, still number one for boys. It's been at the top of the list for five years now. The most popular name for girls, Olivia, is the reigning champion for the past three years. So for boys, it's Liam, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, and James in the top five. William, Benjamin, Lucas, Henry, and Theodore round out the top ten. Theodore is new to the top ten, the only new name on the boys list. For girls, Olivia is number one, Emma, number two, Charlotte, Amelia and Ava, the top five. The rest of the top ten, Sophia, Isabella, Mia, Evelyn, and Harper were the uh, top ten for the girls. So now you know everything you needed to know about baby names, but fascinating stuff. You know, choosing a name for a new baby can be stressful for parents, and one mom... um, Posted online, and this has gone viral, uh, about a tip she created for naming your child. Because nobody wants to give their child a name that is going to you know, cause issues for that child later in life. You may think it's a beautiful name, a really cute name or whatever, but others may just roll their eyes and think, boy, that's stupid. You know what I mean? You don't want to saddle your kid with a name that other people think is weird or funny or dumb. So uh, this woman, and I don't have her name. She posted about this uh, online, and I was uh, reading the story on the Newswire about this. She uh, says what she came up with is the, she calls the cup test. And here's how it works. What you do is you go to a coffee shop, you order a drink. And you give the barista the potential name for your new child. You don't give them your name. You give the give them the name that you're considering naming your child, which then, of course, they write on the cup. And when your concoction is ready, they call it out and you look around the room and see how people react when the barista calls out that name when the order is ready. You'll be able to see how customers and staff members react to it. Now. Some people thought this was absolutely brilliant. Others, not so convinced. And uh, one skeptical person said, just remember, when people comment on an unusual name in a public situation like that, it is often just an exclamation. They want to comment or ask about it because it's maybe something unusual, something they haven't heard before. But they also quite often feel that they have to be nice about it. They have to be complimentary even if they think it is weird or dumb or whatever, uh, comical or whatever. So uh, critics say don't always necessarily take those as genuine compliments. Maybe they just don't want to hurt your feelings. So I don't know.
know. But I thought that was a kind of an int- interesting idea. Uh, certainly you can get some sort of gauge. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. I thought I would bring that up. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of online and uh, families and, and all of that, did you hear about this? Um, family of YouTube influencers uh, facing backlash for allowing their six-year-old, their six-year-old, to compete in a 26-mile marathon recently. Cami and Ben Crawford uh, drew scrutiny and backlash after posting photos of their children competing in Cincinnati's Flying Pig Marathon. Many commenters expressed a concern for the safety of the child after his parents wrote that he was struggling physically during the race. And uh, so these parents have been taking this six-year-old running 26 miles. Yeah, that, that may be a little... Uh, now, I'm, I, I don't know. Did he run the whole way or did mom and dad carry him at some point? You know what I mean? I, apparently, uh, mom and dad are... are diehard marathoners and uh, so they took their six-year-old on the this uh, this marathon in cincinnati uh for their part the organizers of the marathon who originally made an exception to allow the family to compete admitted later it was probably not the best course of action yeah probably not because if nothing else uh they've been getting some pretty negative publicity out of this whole thing Usually, competitors must be at least 18 years old, but they made an exception, and now they it seems that they are regretting doing so. Probably because of all of the negative backlash. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of influencers on social media, new study finds that most food and drink-related content posted by so-called influencers on social media fails to meet World Health Organization standards for the advertising of unhealthy products to children. Surprise, surprise. Researchers in Germany looked at all content posted in that country on websites like, uh, or platforms like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and they found that 75% of the food and drinks featured were high in salt, fat, or sugar. And due to these characteristics, the makers of these products would not be allowed to market them to children in Germany because of strict advertising laws. So they have turned instead to online influencer promotion of their brands because it's kind of the wild, wild west. There are no restrictions in most countries, no restrictions on the marketing of foods on websites, social media or mobile applications. Um And researchers also noted that the majority of the posts were not labeled as advertisements when, in fact, they were. The co-author of the study, and again, this was in Germany, but I would imagine it holds true in this country as well. uh, Eva Winsler uh, said in a press release, she's co-author of the study, that uh, she believes the powers that be need to crack down on social media and challenge the role of influencers in junk food marketing. So... Stay tuned. Interesting. Just, again, something to uh, keep in mind. Something it's the latest thing we need to be uh, fearful of in social media. <laughs> you always have to have be something. There always has to be something that we're scared of, worried about. That appears to be it. And how about this? A crazy story out of New Zealand that I saw on the Newswire this morning. 
among the first things you need to know, the most buzzworthy stories of the day, to be sure, one of the most serious blunders in publishing history uh, in 1631, uh, King Charles I commissioned uh, a bunch of Bibles to be printed. And apparently this printing in England in 1631 left out the word not in the seventh commandment of the Bible and uh, thus instructed those who read the Bible, thou shalt commit adultery. (laughs) Uh, The typo caused an uproar at the time. Uh, King Charles was not amused. He ordered the destruction of all of the copies that had been printed. However, about 20 copies somehow survived. They have been nicknamed in the publishing world the Wicked Bible, and it is one of the the Wicked Bible, because thou shalt commit adultery. And it is one of the rarest and uh, most famous blunders in all of publishing history. Now, there are only less than two dozen copies that remain from all the way back in the 17th century. And so just a few have been known to survive, and one just popped up in New Zealand. Nobody knows how it got from England to New Zealand, but it is uh, it is popped up. I don't know if it's going to be up for auction. I don't know if it's going to be on display uh, someplace, whether it's in the hands of a museum or a library or who has it or a private uh, individual. I have no idea, but uh, one of the one of the most rare uh, blunders of all time, rare uh, printing errors of all time, but. Uh, that is kind of cool that it uh, that actually showed up, and they've got a uh, a copy of it. It's uh, apparently taken years to restore it, but it is uh, showed up in New England, New, England, New Zealand. So interesting stuff there. Some of the most uh, buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started here. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today, with a high of 74. Clear skies tonight, a low of 50. The Finley Police Department is seeking the public's help in identifying a theft suspect. Police say the woman in the surveillance pictures you can see on the website is responsible for stealing a purse and using several of the stolen credit cards at businesses in and around Finley. Anybody with information is urged to contact Finley Police or Crime Stoppers. Tipsters may be eligible for a reward. Again, you can see surveillance pictures of the suspect on our website. Liberty Benton Local Schools will be leaving the Blanchard Valley Conference. Superintendent Mark Kowalski. We're thankful for the many great years of competition, all the camaraderie and partnerships uh, with those districts in the BBC. And we will continue to have some competition with those schools moving forward. Mark says this change will definitely be happening after the 25-26 school year, and it could happen sooner. He says they'll be reaching out to other conferences and leagues in Northwest Ohio to see what the best fit for them will be. Get more of our conversation with the superintendent on the website. The commander-in-chief was in Ohio to announce that five major U.S. manufacturers have made commitments to boost their reliance on small and medium American firms. Biden toured United Performance Metals in Hamilton and talked about the commitment being made by five big companies to help these smaller ones develop technology. And every General Electric, Honeywell, Siemens Energy, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, for every one of them, there's hundreds if not thousands of smaller suppliers that help these iconic American businesses compete globally. 
Biden says it'll feed into efforts to grow the computer chip industry and help solve supply problems while increasing jobs. Dave James, I went in news. At the University of Finley over the weekend. After receiving their diplomas, hundreds of brand new University of Finley graduates completed the traditional arch ceremony by walking through Griffith Memorial Arch towards Main Street. As freshmen, the same students walked through the arch towards Old Main to symbolize the beginning of their journey at UF. And tradition states that students must not walk back through the arch until commencement. See video from the arch ceremony on the website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Now our cover story this morning, it is Manufacturing Week in Hancock County. Uh, the folks who raise the bar are putting local manufacturers together with mir- uh, ed- uh, area middle school students. It's Monday, forgive me. Uh, Want to get them thinking about career opportunities early is the uh, gist of it. Uh, Tr- uh, Trisha Belesk, Raise the Bar, Hancock County, is with us this morning. And uh, this is a program that you actually uh, debuted a few years ago. And then, unfortunately, during the pandemic, it kind of got derailed. Now it is back, right? Yeah, it started in 2018. We okay. got in two years. <laughs> and we usually do it in October, which is manufacturing month. Mm-hmm. Um, but with COVID and with kids getting back in school, we decided let's try it in May mm-hmm. after testing and everyone's ready to kind of be done with that kind of learning. <laughs> right. So we're actually finding this May is a really great time. And last week was in-demand jobs week. So it's a perfect follow-up to that here in Ohio. These are in-demand jobs. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, it's not just when we think manufacturing, sometimes we think it's all facility jobs. We're, mm-hmm. We want to expose kids to everything from human resources to finance to business and sales the whole team. So how do you do that? Uh, because, you know, this I, it strikes me that introducing these concepts at the middle school age can be a, a bit of a challenge. So how do you get them interested in it's this? all interactive. Mm-hmm. So the students will be going to FMT and Romark and actually doing facility tours in the Tall Timbers facility. And those team members out there, Oh, these employees are so excited to have this many kids come through. I think they're overwhelmed, nevertheless. Yeah. But they have a little station set up where they're teaching them about plastics and resins and how they form them and engrave them. And then we take them over to Owens on the Finley campus for several more employers who can't have that many students come through the facility for safety reasons or just for workload. Mm -hmm. But then the kids get to interact with them there and learn a little bit more about robotics and machining and apprenticeships and it's just a chance for the kids to dabble. We don't want to overwhelm them, but we right. want to kind of open up their minds that what they probably thought about manufacturing is very different than how they see it in well, real that, life. That's probably true for most of us because when we think of manufacturing, we think of warehouse or factory jobs, uh, very blue-collar stuff. But like you said, uh, it, it might involve human resources, might even, you know, everything from HR to robotics. Uh, yeah, manufacturing has something for everybody. It's a big industry. And mm-hmm. the companies around town, you know, some are employing 50 to 75 people. And then there's some that are employing several thousand individuals. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, there's a niche for somebody in there, but you have to be passionate about what you're producing in manufacturing. Yeah. And our manufacturers in this community are producing some really cool products. So getting back to the fact that we're introducing these concepts to middle schoolers, what's the end goal here? Because obviously in middle school, kids are not necessarily thinking career path at that point. Just a touch point. You know, uh, research shows that getting down to students in junior high, middle school 
tends to set them on a thought process that as they prepare to go into high school, do I want to go to Millstream? Um, is there something that I should be doing at high school with college classes? What is the end game? And if you keep exposing them year after year after year to not only the employers, but the concept of a job, they tend to have a better job or choice selecting when Mm -hmm. it comes time to junior, senior year. Yeah. And they aren't faltering as much. Uh, Obviously, this is becomes part of a much bigger picture, because if you get the kids in middle school thinking about these careers, then they have to have those programs to transition to once they get into high school to pursue those career paths. Yeah. And, you know, Millstream is a wonderful partner for this community with all the programs that they offer. They have a tremendously growing welding program and engineering program. And then each of the schools is kind of taking on their own way of helping kids who don't necessarily go to Millstream, but they need that career pathway. So many of the schools are having uh, teachers kind of turn into career counselors in addition to the guidance counselors to start guiding kids and giving them more exposure to careers and people and industries. And uh, to expand on that a bit, uh, a lot of times we hear about the STEM subjects as being so much uh, of an emphasis in education these days. This is one example uh, of why that is. Even in the regular classroom, like you said, if they're not going to Millstream necessarily, they still need these programs in the regular classroom to set them up for these types of careers moving forward. This is where the industry is going, nevertheless. Mm-hmm. It's part of healthcare. It's part of finance. It, it is literally in every sector that you would start to see some of these STEM concepts start showing up. So, you know, with everything that the University of Finley's built for the STEAM Center, mm-hmm. and I mean, there are so many great ways to start instilling this outside of the schools, but this is one way we can do it with the schools in partnership. So again, when you look at that big picture concept in all of this, uh, beginning with uh, students as young as junior high and then transitioning into high school and and post-high school um, job placement, all, all of that is exactly what raised the bar is designed to do. Yep. We are the workforce entity in this community. We are constantly trying to figure out how to expose individuals to careers and industries. We're creating the pathways that they need for the right education and training for the different jobs. And then we're also just focused on the soft and technical skill development. So Manufacturing Day definitely falls within our career and industry exposure. Mm-hmm. But it also, we are in, in the midst of this day, starting to show the students that this is my thought. We have Millstream there. We have apprenticeships there. And then we have Owens. So we can also show them, start connecting the dots that this is the educational pathway toward mm-hmm. a career in manufacturing. Which may be different for a lot of uh, students, depending on their resources, depending yep. on their interests. So there is no one size there fits all. There is no one size fits all. Um, and... Again, there's an economic development uh, component to this, too, because uh, this all boils down to having the skilled workforce available that will attract uh, employers to this area, continue to make it a vital uh, hub uh, in Northwest Ohio. Yeah, economic development is on top of their game. The eighth year in a row for the top micropolitan, this is crazy. So, um, But nevertheless, to attract businesses, we have to have the right workforce. Mm -hmm. They have to go hand in hand. And so while economic development is out there building the infrastructure to have the right types of businesses with high paying jobs come to our community, we've been doing it well. Raise the bar is on the individual skilled labor side. Mm -hmm. Um, Skilled labor doesn't mean just for 
what sometimes skilled is considered is all jobs. But nevertheless, we're there to make sure the right people are here to fill the jobs when companies want to come to town or grow. Right. Most of it is growth. That's a good point. Um, And again, we bring all of this up in terms of the uh, big picture stuff because again people will see this and think manufacturing week we're talking to to middle school students how does that you know build to all of this and you kind of lay it out for us so uh explain you know when when does manufacturing week when will this happen is it happening all week long what's you know kind of lay this all out for us it starts today okay all right so we are having several schools come every single day we have monday tuesday Take a break for Wednesday, regroup ourselves. Mm. Thursday and Friday, we have all 1,000 eighth graders from this community coming, including um, online schools and our private school with St. Mike's. The students get to go to the two facilities and go to Owens, and they're kind of switching stations in between. So it's a come and go from about 9 to 2 every day. So it's, it's a big lift. But nevertheless, we're so excited. I know we have a lot of volunteers who are excited, and then the manufacturers are super excited. Yeah, so a very big week. Uh, ask your students uh, this week, your middle school students, what did you, uh, what did you learn today? They're, they're going to get a going to get an earful. I hope so. Done. I hope they're all learning something today. It's really cool. Uh, you've got more information about this and and other uh, programs to raise the bar at your website, right? Yep, www.raisethebarhancock.org. And we have that linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net as well. Again, Tricia Valesque from uh, Raise the Bar, Hancock County with us this morning. Tricia, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Well, National Police Week uh, is actually... Uh, this coming week, the 15th begins on uh, Sunday, the 15th runs through uh, next week. But all over the country, uh, there are events that are happening really throughout the month uh, in honor of National Police Week. And here locally, uh, the observance of Peace Officer Memorial Day is actually coming up this evening. Uh, it is something that uh, honors uh, those who have made the ultimate sacrifice to protect our community. And this year, of course, uh, that is especially poignant for everyone involved. Joining us this morning is uh, Walt Shepard, uh, chaplain the Finley Police Department, and uh, Terry Macbeth, uh, who has uh, been with us a number of times uh, in the past to uh, to talk about uh, Police Week and Peace Officer Memorial Day and these issues. Uh, you've worked uh, extensively, Terry, I know, with the uh, police and the fire and the Ohio State Highway Patrol and you know a number. So you have a, a lot of uh, insight in this as well. Talk a little bit about, as we said, uh, this is always an emotional event, yeah. but especially this year. Yeah, this absolutely with the passing of Dominic, uh, what happened there. And uh, we're going to actually uh, mention his name tonight and we're going to honor him, him and his family. But we, we really would like to invite the entire community to come out and mm-hmm. to observe this uh, time to uh, look at all of our uh, local police officers that have paid, like you said, the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, right now, uh, I think we have a total of eight in our community since 1913. Um, and the number is rising nationally mm-hmm. on fallen officers. So i uh, love to have them come out and just to uh, have a moment of where we could just reflect on their memory. Yeah. Um, Terry, as you mentioned, you've uh, worked with uh, police officers, uh, fire department, uh, first responders of all kinds. Um, and whenever something like this happens, 
whether it's locally or not, it hits home. It really doesn't have to be in our own backyard, although when it is... Well, this certainly is in our backyard in Bluffton. Uh, There are small departments there, and I was requested to come to that that evening or that morning early. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's never an easy time to announce uh, a death notification to a a living spouse and to the parents themselves. Mm -hmm. And his dad mom, his dad especially, was a police officer in Finley. You know... it's you bring up a good point too that uh, it, when we talk about peace officer memorial day it's about more than just honoring uh, those uh, who have fallen but also all of their loved ones their family yes. and all of that this means a, a great deal uh, to other first responders to their families and- absolutely and the the process that they're going through and the grief that they're going through uh, it, it it's it their loved ones never going to be replaced right. but uh, having a community come out and say, hey, we appreciate the sacrifice, means a lot to them. Yeah. And I know there have been a lot of events that have uh, been held uh, for Officer Francis uh, in the weeks since uh, that tragedy, but this uh, this is still important. Yes. Uh, and this is a whole different type of, uh, of event that really is important for the community to recognize. Yes. I think we, we, and I think we all would agree, we get busy, and we need to stop, and 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 just remember the sacrifice mm-hmm. and uh, these men and women that uh, put their lives on the line every day they wake up they they don't know if this will be the end of their um their watch uh on any given day yeah. and and i think that uh, the community needs to one appreciate their sacrifice appreciate the daily sacrifice they go through mm-hmm. and uh, but yes it's a very important event and it requires us to stop and to uh to observe and to remember. Yeah. Uh, we use the death of Dominic Francis as sort of a springboard to the conversation, but obviously this is not just about this one officer. Absolutely. This is right. Uh, dating back to 1913, right. as we said, we have uh, eight fallen officers and then we have duty related deaths um, that, um, that also account for some of those. So we, we have in our, in our own Hancock County uh, the you know, uh, people that are related you know descendants of those that were mm-hmm. fallen but no it's not just about dominic francis it's about not all just those for, not just about uh, police officers for that matter right and, uh, and and of course we're a week early from where the other nation the rest of the nation is going to be observing and this also gives uh what captain matthias just uh, informed me it does give those that would like to go to the national memorial service next week time to go out there and not miss this one yeah yeah. Uh, so we mentioned that the uh, ceremony will happen this evening. Give us all of the uh, details. On okay. It, it is tonight at six o'clock. Okay. Um, we're probably going to be at 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, it is at 1769 Romick Parkway. And uh, it's at the FOP 20 Lodge. And I, again, it's open to all. I think we can all uh, sacrifice an hour out of our time to honor the sacrifice of uh, all of these uh, first responders. I think it's special when you look back as an officer and as a family member to say, well, somebody cared. Yeah. And if you can come and show you that you cared, it inspires them to do better and more uh, with a great deal of, of emphasis on people really care. We've got uh, more information uh, about it on our webpage. You can go to uh, goodmornings.net and uh, learn more. The uh, Peace Officer Memorial Day observance uh, and ceremony happening uh, this evening again begins... Uh, six o'clock Six tonight. o'clock. Okay. Yes. So we invite everybody to uh, to check that out. Again, uh, 
Walt Shepard, Terry McBeth, thanks very much for uh, dropping thanks, by. Chris. We appreciate thanks for having us. it. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Once again, Nicole Coleman is with us from the Hancock County Veterans Services Office, and you have an initiative launching on Tuesday, May 10th, called Hidden Heroes. So the Hidden Heroes Initiative is a part of the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. Okay. And, you know, as many may know, Elizabeth Dole really understands what it means to be a caregiver for a veteran as mm-hmm. she cares for her husband for many years. So she wanted to create a network or a source of support for other veteran caregivers. Uh, there's a lot of challenges in trying to figure out how to navigate the VA healthcare system and the disability system. And the VA has a lot of resources, but it's not always easy to figure out how to find them. I would imagine even more, uh, even more so for caregivers who are not the veterans themselves. Correct. Yeah. And if the injury that you are helping care for is unseen, the people around you don't really understand that you're exhausted because you're caring for this person. So the goal of this program is to provide a network, a local network, uh, as well as a national network where people can get to know one another in their own community. And then they also have a way to reach people across the country. For example, if I am a caregiver for someone who is an amputee, I'm going to have a way to find other caregivers of amputees um, who are in the same age group, which makes a difference, Mm -hmm. you know, in some of the things they're dealing with. Now, Ohio became a Hidden Heroes state in August, and Finley and Hancock County became a Hidden Heroes community last month when uh, the mayor of Finley and all three county commissioners signed our proclamation. Two of the things that we want to make sure that we are helping explain as we're launching this program is, one, if you are caring for a veteran who lives with mental health condition, this program is just as much for you as someone who has a visible injury. Mm -hmm. And two, if you are the neighbor of a single veteran who lives alone, and you're the one who brings them their groceries, you're the one who takes them to their medical appointments, you're the one who fills their pillbox, you're a caregiver. And we are here to support you because that veteran's quality of life is dependent on you. And therefore, we want to make sure that you're getting the support that you need. So that's how the initiative works uh, in terms of you know the big picture overview uh, of it. How does it work then in practice? I mean, what do people need to know in order to become involved with this initiative? So the really exciting thing is we don't fully understand all of that yet. <laughs> so we have um, we have three Ohio Hidden Hero Fellows. So basically people who are hidden heroes mm-hmm. who are um, helping to spread the word across the state. Um, So they are going to come and they are going to speak about their own experiences and how the program works and um, how it has supported them. And then we have um, a professor with occupational therapy from the University of Finley is going to be there to speak. She herself is a veteran Um, and lots of different uh, local entities coming to talk about the support services that they can provide. Okay. Um, and then our hope is that, so we're going to do this kind of like a town hall meeting. So it sounds like uh, starting with a, literally a blank slate Correct. Uh, on this. Yeah. So, yeah. We, so we want to hear during this town hall meeting setting, we want to hear from the people, what are the barriers you have? What are the challenges you're facing? Because that's going to help us start thinking of what are the resources that we can provide 
that's going to help with some of those barriers. So that event is coming up on Tuesday, May the 10th? Correct. May the 10th at 7 o'clock at uh, Finley Inn and Conference Center. Okay. And uh, again, you don't need to register. Just show up. Um, We are really looking forward to meeting the hidden heroes in our community. And if for some reason uh, someone can't make that particular date and time, that doesn't mean you're left out in the cold, right? No, absolutely. You can can contact us through our website, which is HancockVeterans.com. Give us a call. You can talk to Ed Newton in our office. He's the one who is getting this program launched for us. And this is an ongoing program. This is not a start date, end date kind of program. So whenever you need it, file that away because uh, it sounds like that's going to be a tremendous resource for those who are caring for uh, veterans. Yeah, we're really excited about launching this program. Again, uh, Nicole Coleman is with us from the Hancock County Veterans Services Office. Tuesday, May 10th is the date for the launch of the Hidden Hero initiative here locally. Nicole, thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Police in Texas are asking for the public's health uh, for the public's help that is, in locating a man accused of a most unusual crime. (laughs) Marcus Hubbard is wanted for burglary. He was caught on security video last month stealing a lawnmower and then using it to mow the victim's front and backyard. (laughs) He stole the mower, didn't mow his own yard. He mowed the victim's, but he breaks into the building Seals the lawnmower and then mows that person's yard. Uh, When police uh, arrived, this is Port Arthur, Texas. When police arrived, Mr. Hubbard uh, fled with the lawnmower initially before abandoning it it in an alley. It was a uh, push mower, too. It wasn't wasn't a riding mower. It was a push mower. Uh, Anyone with information on the incident is encouraged to contact police. That must have been an interesting chase. And the police show up and he takes off with the lawnmower, pushing the lawnmower, running from police, eventually decided, oh, I'm just going to get rid of this. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want him to catch the guy just to find out what motivated him to break into someone's building and then mow their lawn. Not his own. Anyway. Uh, This could have been bad. Turned out quite well, so uh, happy ending. Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, uh, the community of Columbia in Lancaster, Lancaster County. Uh, Police recently got a report of a 13 year old boy that had gone missing. Uh, Police called out drones, uh, police canines, did yard by yard searches. all day on Friday, uh, well, the, the morning hours anyway, I mean, this was an all-out mobilization of the police force to find this uh, 13-year-old boy. It turned out <laughs> he was at home the whole time. <laughs> he was found safe and sound inside his own home by the family dog. <laughs> so the police are out with drones and canines going uh house by house through the uh, the neighborhood and the uh, family dog finally located apparently he had come home after baseball practice 
He was in the house, but his his family apparently couldn't find him and reported him as missing. <laughs> well, again, all's well that ends well, but uh, somebody's uh, left with egg on their face for that. <laughs> Speaking of crazy things that happen at home, uh, one family in Redding, California, when they came back from vacation, found that this was like a... Uh, a scene out of the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds Come to Life. Uh, family return home after vacationing to find their home filled with birds inside their home. They think the birds made it down the chimney, but they literally invaded the house. Gary and Patty Reitmeyer uh, said hundreds of birds were inside when they got home, uh, flying everywhere. They said it was crazy. We were ducking and dodging these flying birds in our house. Um, they finally shooed them all out. Uh, Gary said, I was grabbing a handful of birds <laughs> at a time and ushering them out the door. It took about three hours to clear the house entirely of the birds. And now they've got a mess to clean up. Uh, they've had to throw out most everything in the home because, quote, you can't get all that bird poop out of the furniture. <laughs> Gary said all the furniture is gone. All the carpet is gone. The blinds are gone. Everything. They are starting from scratch. The house is currently uninhabitable because of the biohazard with the birds. So they've moved in temporarily with their daughter until their home can be cleared by the hazmat unit. Adding insult to injury, their insurance refuses to pay for the damage because of an exclusion in their policy for bird damage. Oh, man, that's really rough. <clears throat> Moral of the story, close your chimney flu. The island of Nantucket off the coast of Massachusetts is moving toward allowing people to go topless at all of its beaches, regardless of gender. At an annual town meeting last week, the Gender Equality on Beaches bylaw amendment passed. It must still be approved by the state attorney general's office in order to go into effect. But uh, if it passes, uh, all people will be able to go topless on any public or private beach. Um, there was a proposed amendment to exempt two beaches that are popular with families and tourists, but that was shut down. So you book your trip to Nantucket, Massachusetts. You may get an eyeful more than you expected. Stay tuned. And finally, in the broken news this morning, speaking of going on vacation, check this. Imagine you are on vacation and the hotel you've booked accidentally gives all your luggage to an alleged criminal without checking for valid ID. That's what happened to Bob Sabuni, uh, who sued the San Francisco Marriott Hotel and won. He was awarded $5,000, uh, which is about half of the value of the luggage that he lost, he says. But uh, in a surprise move, Marriott appealed the case citing a law dating back to 1872 that limits a hotel's liability for guests' belongings to $1,000. And they got the judgment whittled down to just half that, 500 bucks. 
Now the state superior court judge overseeing the case ruled that it was done unfairly, noting the law is outdated and saying in part this statute has not been revised to uh, account for the current value of luggage, clothing, and most notably computer equipment and data. Prices have gone up enormously since the law was enacted in 1872. And uh, compared with when the law was first enacted, $1,000 uh, of a liability limit then would be about $25,000 today. But can you imagine the hotel gave away his luggage to some other guy without checking for ID and then appealed the ruling so that they wouldn't be liable for their own mistake. Man, that's not going to get him some very good reviews online or anything. Don't want to stay there. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Did you know that a donation of only $1 can provide up to six meals for a family? I'm Tommy Harner, CEO of West Ohio Food Bank, and with your support, we can bring food to areas in need. Fresh and nutritious food like fresh fruits and vegetables, dairy, and protein. As we team up with our partner agencies, we are working harder than ever at our mission of ending hunger together. If you'd like to volunteer, donate, or host a food drive, contact us through our website at wofb.org. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So amid uh, the state of gas prices uh, these days, recent Yahoo News public opinion survey found that two-thirds of Americans, see if you fall into this category, two-thirds of Americans, 66% of vehicle owners and or households uh, with vehicles, said that they have already made or will make significant changes to their driving patterns if the national average cost of gas uh, stays between 412 and 435 a gallon. And I think this morning... I saw the national average was at 432, so it's right in there. Now, right around 430 anyway. So two-thirds either have already or will make significant changes in their driving patterns. The other 34% said they likely will not significantly change their driving habits unless the price gets to around $5 a gallon. That's their threshold. Um, and again, in some parts of the country, most notably California, Uh, The average cost is already past $5 a gallon. Among the changes that folks say that they have made or will make are cutting back uh, uh, using just the vehicle for necessities like grocery shopping, doctor's visits, commute to work, that kind of thing. Uh, 62% say they will just just necessities. Uh, No leisure driving. Um. 41% 41% say they won't they won't fill the tank but just put in what they can afford. Uh 35% say they will take public transit or take it more in areas where they have that option, not everyone has that option. Uh 34% say they more actively drive to different gas stations to find the best price. They don't necessarily do that all the time, but because gas is so high, they're uh, they're shopping for the cheap stuff more so than they uh, would. And 29%, this is what 
folks are worried about 29% have or will cancel a planned summer holiday trip. That is certainly not what the travel and tourism industry wants to hear coming off of a couple of COVID years. We have a new va- uh, new face, a new voice uh, with us uh, here this morning. Get to meet uh, Hancock County's new 4-H extension educator at the OSU Extension Office. Uh, Lauren Berner-Kitzler is uh, probably very familiar. Uh, you are a Hancock County native, graduate of Liberty Benton. Uh, and, and coming back to uh, Hancock County uh, to uh, take this position, for those who are, are not familiar, kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background and what you bring to uh, the uh, position of 4-H Extension Educator. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good morning, Chris, and all of our listeners out there. My name is Lauren Berner kitzler um, I've recently gotten married here to my husband, Zeb. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we purchased a house not far from my parents, so I didn't go too far, but I... Um, am from this area. Uh, I was a 4-H member for 11 years with the mm-hmm. Lucky Star 4-H Club. So I'm just happy to be back in my home county and get to work with the young fellows building connections within our community. How uh, How is that? I mean, being the fact that you were in one of these clubs and you worked with uh, 4-H youth as a youth and, and, and so on to now be in charge of that. Yes, uh, very exciting. Uh, when I was in those shoes, uh, it kind of taught me responsibilities to what I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4-H played a very important role in my life, um, teaching responsibility, dedication. Um, you know, those animals aren't going to feed themselves out there. So just, <laughs> right. you know, getting up every morning mm-hmm. um, and knowing that, hey, they need fed too morning and night, just right. like us. So it's, it's, I'm excited to give back to those youth, um, teaching them those, those important facts of life, because I think it really makes you the person you are today's and you know we've talked about uh, 4-h in the past and how it uh, really impacts and um, influences the direction of so many young people's lives your case in point because you attended uh, the ohio state university and the college of uh, ag sciences right that is correct yeah. yep i uh, started off at worcester at the ati campus okay uh, i attended the the three years down there and then i transferred to main campus at osu right in the middle of covid uh graduated <laughs> in 2020 with my bachelor's degree in community leadership and extension education and obviously that was very much influenced from your time in 4-h yes definitely, yeah. definitely yeah uh so there are a couple of things that are going on now you jump right in uh to what is a busy time for a uh, 4-H. Yes, yes, picking up where the the pieces were left off. So a couple important things we have um mm-hmm. for all of those in 4-H, if you're wanting to add or drop a project, the big date for you to remember is June 1. Um another big important date if those 4-H members taking livestock, you must attend a quality assurance. We are going to be hosting another quality assurance Saturday, June 4th. So another very important date on that. And then something fun and exciting is 4-H camp. The theme this year is getting wild Western style. Uh, We'll be having two camps. One is for clover buds. That is kindergarten through um, age five or into the second grade. That will be held June 9th out at our fairgrounds. And then for 4-H camp is for the other 4-Hers starting in third grade, ages eight to 14. So. 
And are there, uh, what are the registration uh, dates and, and all of that? What do folks need to know about camp? Yep. Uh, so if you're wanting to attend Cloverbud Camp, you have until May 20th. That registration ends on May 20th. Okay. And then just for regular 4-H camp down at Camp Ohio, you have until May 27th for okay. an early bird. Anything after May 27th is you have to pay a higher cost. So okay. encouraging all to get in before May. So uh, if folks want uh, more information or uh, need to sign up for that, how do they go about doing that? They can stop by the office and uh, one of us office associates will be able to help. Or they can check out more on our website at hancock.osu.edu to learn more. And uh, remembering those other important uh, important dates about uh, quality assurance for the livestock projects and then uh, the dropper ad date uh, coming up here uh, very soon as as well you look at i mean so many things coming up uh you know obviously getting into the heart of uh you know the projects and and kids working on that we've got camp coming up before you know it the fair is going to be here uh which is uh, always busy what part of that are you most looking forward to in in terms of you know getting up to speed and because you've been on the job for how long now just uh, this is like day six. I was so gonna say it's just not, a few yeah, days. Yeah, just a few days. Yeah. In, so, yes. so what are you looking most forward to? I think what I'm looking most forward to is just getting to see the area youth uh, become young adults, growing mm-hmm. into it, enjoying their projects. You know, coming to the fair, spotlighting what they've worked hard on all year long. You know, showing that off, just being proud of what they have. Um, and just seeing those smiling faces, I think, is what I'm excited to see is walking through each and every barn. And we are, uh, again, something we've talked about in the in the past, but it, it bears repeating. And, and you're finding out again firsthand, although you were involved in 4-H locally, is such a strong program in, in Hancock County, even more so than some other counties. But it's a very strong 4-H program here. Yes, that is something. Uh, even when I was a 4-H member, this... 4-H has always been the heart of it all in Hancock, so mm-hmm. I have very high expectations to live up to and big <laughs> shoes to fill. <laughs> We're sure that you will. Uh, Lauren Berner Kitzler, uh, the uh, new 4-H Extension Educator, the Hancock County OSU Extension Office. And uh, again, if folks have uh, questions uh, about camp or any of the other uh, things involving projects and, and all of that, you're the person, you're the go-to person. Right? That is correct, yeah. Uh, they can find. They can come to our office. My door is always open to anyone or they can visit our website that website is hancock.osu.edu lauren thanks very much for uh, dropping by we certainly uh, look forward to uh, seeing you quite often here. yes thanks chris everyone have a great day and that will finish up our podcast for today thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. that of course is goodmornings.net Coming up tomorrow on the program, allowing student-athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness has been a controversial free-for-all in college athletics. Are we really ready for NIL deals in high school sports? We'll take a closer look until tomorrow morning. That is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.